Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Wednesday get together. Damn, I'm a little yeah. the uptake there today. Uh, maybe it's because Eagles are playing on Monday night. It feels like a Tuesday. You got the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, here with you after a good Tuesday, or at least Jonathan Gannon attempted make it one yesterday and talking about the Eagles' 35 points allowed defensive performance on Sunday. Johnny Mac, you buying anything that Jonathan Gannon was selling yesterday? Um. It, 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 I, I, I think it's pretty evident why the Eagles played poorly. Um, they didn't tackle well. I mean, now that I got to watch, they missed 14 tackles, Jody. So, you know, pro football focus, we talk about them a lot. Some people like them. Some people hate them, yada, yada, yada. Ranked them 32nd out of 32 uh, tackling uh, in week one. That's it. I mean, don't got to go any further. That's, that's the reason. That's that's the reason. So for all these people talking about scheme and Jonathan, I, I get it. Everybody, yeah, I exaggerate. 50% of this league runs this scheme. All right. The team that's coming in on Monday night runs this scheme. They gave up seven points there in Rodgers. You know, it's a cliche to talk about execution and technique and fundamentals. But if the Eagles make those 14 tackles, they route the Detroit Lions. Right. So that's it. I mean, you don't have to go any further. You don't have to go any further. Now, the discussions about Jonathan Gannon, I've had these discussions before. Do you want to be one of the 15 or so teams that run the same scheme? That I will listen to. That I'll have a conversation about. 
that I think is pretty relevant because if you start doing what everybody else does, then it becomes, you know, Jody, I say this all the time. It becomes, okay, who does that best? Who does it best? The Eagles didn't do it best no, in Detroit, no, 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 to no, say no, the no. least. Um, but that's about personnel. That's about technique. That's about fundamentals. I, I agree wholeheartedly with your stance, but then you got to take it the next logical step. Why did they tackle so poorly? They, well, that's they were... an organizational thing. I mean, that's not – look, I'm with you. This team doesn't practice enough. This team doesn't uh, uh, practice hard enough when they do practice. There's a difference between live and non-live. Um, they have a uh, 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 thought process that it's better to get to week one as healthy as possible. I kind of agree with that part of it. But that is out of Jonathan Gannon's hands. And that is out of Nick Sirianni's hands, to be honest. That is not their decision. Now, they have to go up there. Now, if you expect, if fans expect Jonathan Gannon or Nick Sirianni to say, Howie Roseman is wrong. Jeffrey Laurie is wrong, damn it. We can't continue to do this. I mean, all right, you can have that pipe dream. It ain't going to happen. They got to make the best of their situation. Yeah, but I I agree. I mean, they weren't ready to play. um, And I would say offensively as well. You know, I saw Dan Orlovsky. Now, Dan put out a tweet this morning about, you know, he made the you think I made the Lions look like the 85 Bears. He made the Lions look like the 85 Bears. They're not, uh, but they were more ready to play from a conditioning and physical standpoint. They pretty much out-physicaled the Eagles on both sides of the football. Um, And we know from watching Hard Knocks, they go about things a different way. Um, And I think there's something to that. Right. You you just said you – uh, go along with, buy into, sorry that I don't have your exact phrase, but said um, that you agree with the Eagles' more is less philosophy in preseason. They did yeah, get do. to the first game with no injuries, save Andre Dillard, who got hurt in practice, and he's a backup guy. Uh, he's not a starter. All 22 of their starters and most of their uh, major contributors were healthy and did play in game one, but they played lousy. So you weigh one against the other, you still come out on the side of less yeah. is more in preseason? Just yeah, because they were the after they put up a performance of the worst tackling team in the National Football League week one? Yeah, because um, if you told me, if you took off the shackles and told me I can prepare like I want to prepare, I disagree with it. But you can't. So um, that's, that's collectively bargained. So you're not saying the- you agree with it. You just say that you would under the current rules rules, yeah under the current rules i agree with it if you change the rules back to the old days yeah i wouldn't agree with then i'd try to prepare i try to prepare to be the best team i could be but you can't so if those are my two options i choose getting to week one as healthy as possible so that part i i don't have as much of a problem with but you, you have to understand it's baked in that you're essentially playing like Rob Monty said on the show yesterday and the Eagles aren't the only team, but there's, there's a number of teams that go in this direction. The Rams are there. They do oh, it. Yeah. Um, and they looked awful in week one. Um, the Packers do it second week, second year in a row. They've looked, looked awful week one. We know, we all know the famous relax uh, press conference from a couple of years ago with Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, this the Eagles aren't the only team, but if you do it this way, it's going to be a little bit sloppy. The good news for the Eagles, they got to win. So right. you know, best but they they managed to get out of there with a win. You know, everybody's acting like it's a loss, but it's not. They won the football game, and look, if they miss fourteen tackles every week, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. I mean, there's they're going to be a bad defensive football team if they miss 14 tackles every week. The assumption is they're not going to miss 14 tackles every week. It's going to get better. But I will say this, Jody, and I said this way back in the in in the offseason. You know, nobody cares about the run game until they care about the run game true. all the time. Very true. And you have all these undersized players. And you know, I mean, that's going to be an issue against teams that can run the football and want to run the football. Now, the good news is there aren't a lot of those teams. Nobody wants to run the football, typically. They all want to throw it. They certainly want to throw it early in the season, maybe as you get to some bad weather games later in the season, things like that. It'll it'll ship philosophy. It always ships in the playoffs where it becomes important. But, you know, the Hassan Reddicks of the world, the Kaiser Whites of the world, world the, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnsons of the world, they're, they're not real. Hassan Reddicks not a defensive end edge player who can support the run. Kaiser White isn't a typical weak side linebacker who can support the run. Chauncey Gardner is not a strong safety that can get in the box and support the run. Just, you know. Keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's that. I think that's very fair because they did get gashed badly on the run. And DeAndre Swift's a nice player. He's an above average NFL running back. He's not number top one. 10. Number he's, one. He might be number one right now. At the end yeah. of the season, I'm going to predict he's not going to be yeah, number one. I'm with you. Or in the top five and probably not in the top 10. Top half, yeah. Uh, but we'll see if he can sneak into the bottom of the top 10. And he gashed them pretty damn bad. Uh, I once again reiterate, good thing they had the Lions week one. It was a good thing. The schedule makers did them a favorite because if they put on that tackling performance against a better team, oh, I don't know, like maybe the Minnesota Vikings this week, the result might not be the same as it was. So uh, we didn't know going in that they were going to have this poor performance defensively. They were able to sneak by with a 38-35 win. Uh, the other thing that certainly caught my attention, and it almost flew under the radar uh, in yesterday's Gannon press gathering, was, and they discussed all the things and all the man uh, how they're going to use the players and what the rotations are going to be delayed. We discussed it amongst ourselves and with Howie, and uh, the things, and with Howie, he kind of just like yeah. snuck that in there under yeah. the radar that and moved right along for it was part of a longer answer. And with Howie, does Howie sit in on the defensive? Oh, yeah. Is he offensive? How involved is Howie? Did he just sit in the back of the room and keep his head down and just uh, take everything in? Or is he half running these meetings? You know, I know he is... is a major mover and shaker within this organization. But should he really be part of the week in, week out meetings with the coaching staff dictating who is or isn't on the field, what plays are or aren't being called? Well, uh, a couple things. This is not the first time the Eagles have let you in on that. Uh, uh, all three, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen, and Nick Sirianni have mentioned this at times. Um, 
Howie's not involved with plays or anything like that, but he's very, very involved with uh, the roster and including the game day roster. Um, and, you know, when Doug Peterson was here, I've been confirmed. I mean, he chose the game day roster, not Doug. Um, I believe it's the same thing now. I haven't been able to get confirmation, but I would be shocked if it's not by the way the Eagles talk. Um, so he's the guy setting the roster on a week-to-week basis, which I don't agree with. I've never agreed with. Uh, I think he should completely get out of the way once the regular season starts. But once the game starts, he doesn't get involved with – he's not involved with play calling or things like that. Now, leading up to the game, might Jonathan Gannon get a meeting and say, look, we got to get Jordan Davis on the field? Yeah, that might happen. That's probably not a bad thing either, uh, to be honest. Um, so Howie is very involved um, when it comes to roster decisions. Um, and I would argue too much involved. But he's not the only GM that does that. Uh, there are a number of them who do it. I never agree with it. It should be the coaches ball, so to speak, on game day. And if they want a certain player active and, and you want somebody else, you should defer to the coach. I don't know if that happens. It should happen. I don't believe it happens. Right. And I've kind of been uh, outspoken about this because in another sport, baseball, my father was a former major league general manager and um, he had his way of believing that things should run in a specific way. And uh, as a matter of fact, was once told his services were no longer needed because he didn't agree with how the organization wanted to handle certain decisions that he felt were uh, the things that he was hired to do. And they say, well, if you can't do this, well, then we're going to not allow you to do anything anymore. So he got a year's salary to walk away and say that he retired when in actuality he was fired. You hire people to do jobs and then you let them do them. If Howie Roseman hires the coaching staff, he and Jeff Laurie together, but uh, much on Howie, then you let the coaching staff do their job. You put them in place and you let them do the job and be like Howie um, every single day sharing an office with Jeff Laurie. And he's on the phone with other teams, general managers and his scouts and checking other teams, practice squads. And the owner said, put that on speaker so I can hear that too. You think Howie would like to do his job that way with Jeff yeah. sitting in the office with him? No, but he's like, going to turn it, around it, and sit in on the meetings with the coaches, really? It's like every week. You see it in Dallas every week. Jerry Jones has a press conference every week. Um, he does a hit on a local radio station down there every week. He's the guy saying, oh, we're not going to put Dak Prescott on injured reserve. He's going to be out three to four weeks. <laughs> you know, I mean – yeah, that would be difficult, and Howie wouldn't like that. And you're right. Howie should probably recognize he wouldn't like that and let the people hired to do their job do their job. Um, but, yeah, that's not the first time Jonathan Gannon has said that. Not the first time Shane Steichen has uh, alluded to Howie being in uh, meetings and decisions on playing time, um, and uh, Nick Sirianni as well. So he's very involved. Um Shouldn't be, in my estimation, when the regular season starts. Um, I I think Howie's done a nice job in putting this roster together and should get a lot of credit for it. 
I even like the pickup that he made yesterday. You and I kind of debated about uh, JPP and would they get a veteran guy or a younger guy? They decided to go the younger guy route. I'm perfectly fine with that. I just said I'd, I'd investigate a guy like JPP because he was worth taking a look at. If their evaluation is he's got nothing left in the tank and it's close between the two guys, you want to choose a younger guy, second-year player from Florida State to pick off the Vikings practice squad, which, oh, by the way, you get that little added. And I oftentimes think this is overstated. Oh, my God, is it overstated this week? I laughed out loud when people said, because they went, you know where we're going, Jody. Uh, Yeah, the Eagles are going to get intel on the Minnesota defense because of Janarius Robinson being here. They run the exact same stinking defense. And I mean the exact same stinking defense. Big Fangio, Ed Donatello's the new defensive coordinator in, uh, in, in Minnesota. He was with Fangio for years. Uh, and, and his key guy is right-hand man in Denver. Um, uh, they were together, I believe, in Green Bay as well. Uh yeah, I mean, it, not. I'm sorry, Ed was in Green Bay, but uh, they run the exact same defense the Eagles do. The exact same defense, and you're good. That's why I brought it up. And when people right. are saying and, scheme, 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 and by the way, Janarius Robinson, second year player, you know, maybe he can give you something. Daniel Hunter likes doing this. Uh, Zedaria Smith likes doing this. But I mean, come on, people. I, I mean, they like the player. It's not about pilfering someone from the team they're playing this week. Right. If they didn't like the player to begin with, they would never have uh, made him an offer to come to claim him off waivers and, and put him on their 53. So you're right. It's got to start with uh, how highly you rate the player. If you can get just the smallest little piece of info, they'll get something. It might be one tendency that one defensive player has but that's all it's going to be. Don't, oh, my God, they've got the keys to the kingdom. They're going to know exactly what the Vikings are going to do. No. First of all, second-year player is not going to know everything. He's more worried about getting himself on the field. He's not paying attention. He's not a scout. Yeah. He's not there to scout the Vikings yeah. to be able to come to the Eagles exactly. and spill the beans. Now, maybe so, if you're getting a backup quarterback, you know, you know, maybe there's something to that. Um, but, yeah, I chuckled when people went down that route. Oh, let's get the playbook. Just look at your own damn playbook. It's the same damn playbook. Underline, uh, in quotations, tackle better, and you'll be better (laughs) against the Vikings this week. I can pretty much assure you that. I.D. John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Not one. We got two good guests coming your way. A little later in the show, we'll have our buddy Paul Domwich on from the 3013.com. It does his Friday column for us here at uh, jacobsports.com. Dom is going to hop aboard in hour number two, but hour number one, we go down the shore. Our buddy Mike Gill is going to hop aboard coming up next. By the way, the closed circuit. He's having trouble with the link, Town. So okay. it might be a spam yeah. issue. The, the link is jumping to the spam because mm. it did to me this morning. Two mornings in a row, I go to jump on at uh, yeah. 7.57. Ooh, no link yet? What the hell? Uh, so we'll uh, hopefully, hope cross the fingers, if we can figure out how to get him the link to join the show. Yeah. Mike Gill uh, from down the shore is going to join us next. Here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. 
and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birch 365. That midweek get over the hump day, Wednesday. A little different this week because it's a Monday night game against the Vikings. So we are looking back at what happened against the Lions on Sunday. Starting to look ahead to the Vikings on Monday night. And here to help us do that is our buddy from down the shore, the Sports Pass 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Mike Gill joins us. MG, how you be? I'm doing well, guys. I'm trying to find the best place to kind of situate. Everybody's got like these cool backdrops and stuff. I'm yeah. getting a studio built in my house, but it's not ready yet. So I'm like outside, inside. I don't know where to go here yet. I like it. I like it. It's a nice bad. day out. Yeah. Uh, porch. I like. I like the. Uh, I like the feel today. Mike. How long can I get away with being on the porch outside for these down the shore? It's a little nippy out here today. I got to yeah. be honest. I like it. It's yeah. been so hot, you know. Miami, I've been there. Yeah, everywhere it's humid. It seems humid, humid, humid. So, enjoy the nice day. Enjoy the por- porch. What you can enjoy, though, Mike, 
is the Eagles defense, or at least uh, for one particular Sunday in Detroit. So what is your DEPCON level? How high are we going? DEPCON, actually, it's backwards, DEPCON. Yeah. So DEPCON 1 is the worst. DEPCON 5 is the easiest. So well, Yeah, yeah well, on a scale of 1 to 10, I gave it a 2 on my show. Ugh. Now, I am generally a pretty even keel guy. Um, I think you tweeted out, John, they were last in the league in tackling. Yeah. They, they, they missed the most tackles. So I asked this question to myself. If they get if and they might not be a good tackling team, and that could be a big issue. But if they make those tackles, let's say they miss four tackles, like what's league average? What's the score of that game? I don't know. Um, I liken it to John Gannon, like a kid on Christmas, got new toys, ripped them out of the package, and never read the instructions. And then <laughs> if you play with them for a while, you're like. Oh, I don't know what to do with this. I actually have to read the instructions. <laughs> I think he's going to figure these guys out a little bit better. I, you know, I think he stuck with some of his guys. They got up 17. They thought they were going to run. And I actually told you this yesterday, John, I think. I give Dan Campbell and the Lions credit. They yeah. got up 17, and they stayed with the run. They, their offensive line's the strength of that team, and they stayed with it. A lot of teams won't do that, and I think the Eagles took for granted that they were going to throw the ball, and they didn't and got gassed. I thought so much aggressive penetration up the middle, and the Lions attacked them there all day long, it felt like. So I think you watch that. Um, I think one of the themes moving forward is the Lions have a pretty good offensive line. I thought they dominated up front, and that was why they were in that game. Moving forward, I don't know that many teams are going to have a line that's going to allow them to run the ball with such success. So that's why I'm kind of not so panicked. I was disappointed. I didn't like the way he called the game. If you're not getting pressure, you got to find it from somewhere. So it's a week-to-week thing. If you're not getting pressure this week, you got to dial it up. He didn't do that. That was disappointing. But overall, I'm not overly concerned with their defense. It's more than even a week-to-week thing. It's a quarter to it's a half-to-half thing. It's a quarter-to-quarter thing. It's a series-to-series uh, series thing. And I'm with you. I'm not sure that Jonathan Gannon adjusted enough. Uh, Johnny Mac made this point in our first segment, and it is at least I think worthy of consideration. Hassan Reddick, for the position he plays, is a little undersized. Kazir White, for the position he plays, is a little undersized. Uh, Gardner Johnson for the position he plays, the new position that he plays is a little undersized that maybe Gannon's scheme is okay. It's just that the Eagles weren't able to win at the point of contact because they're a little undersized. That scare you at all? Yeah. And it's funny because the one play that Reddick made that really got highlighted. If you watch the game was on a run play and it's like, that's great. But I don't want to see him sticking his nose in there and making tackles on the end. I want to see him getting at the passer. And I'm thinking, you know, if he's playing end to stop the run, he's a small guy to be doing that all season long. They kept highlighting on the broadcast, and, and John, you were at the game, so I don't know if you saw this, but Jody, you might. they kept talking about how great of a tackler Kaiser White is. He's a short tackler. That's what he does so well. Well, that's good if he can get his nose in there. He was having trouble getting off blocks and – you know, I didn't see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson flying around making tackles from the safety spot. I saw Marcus Epps 
doing a pretty good job of getting in there. I think he had 10 tackles, but you're right. You know, I think a lot of these guys had trouble and could be a byproduct of, I thought the Lions had a really well-designed run game. I thought they just executed. You know, the Eagles, their offensive line didn't execute for a quarter. They looked like they were all out of whack. The Lions, they were in concert, and they got to their blocks. They won the point of attack. So, again, could it be that the Lions were – people didn't – I know, John, you harped on this a lot. Their line's pretty good, and that could have been a factor of the Eagles not getting off their blocks, not being able to tackle. I think we got to somewhat give the Lions – a little bit of credit. And, you know, quite frankly, if the Lions had a quarterback that was not Jared Goff, we might be thinking about that team a little differently. Yeah. And well, by the way, I, Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, been a while. Uh, as Sean McVay's exoskeleton, so to speak, his joystick. Um, but uh, you're right. I mean, that that might be the best pair of tackles the Eagles see all season. I mean, people aren't going to believe it, but that might be the best pair of tackles because they're not going to face their own uh, that they see all season. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. It, it. it was a really difficult matchup on the edge for them. Uh, you know, Ragnow's an all-pro center. He was a really difficult matchup, and he wasn't even healthy. Um, so some of that is baked in. But you were you were saying you don't know what the score would have been if they tackled. I know what the score. They would have blew them out. They still would have blown them out because the that's rest my intuition. Of the line, that's my yeah. intuition. I just you know who knows. So if the fifty yard gain from DeAndre Swift turns into twenty, you, you say all right. Well, that's not good, but it's not terrible. If the twenty five yard screen where there's two missed tackles, that gets caught for five yards. I mean, yeah, the Eagles are lapping, but the one point you point out, and, and Nick Sirianni admitted this as well as Johnson Gannon, they did expect him to throw when they got down 17. And that's typically what teams in this league do. They give up. Um, so you do have to give Dan Campbell a little bit of credit. And I do think people tend to not realize, hey, the other team's trying too. Um, and, and that's kind of what happened. But when we're moving forward with this defense from the personnel standpoint, and specifically I'm going to talk to you about the defensive tackles, Mike, because let's face it, Jonathan Gannon isn't very popular in Philadelphia right now, and everybody wants to see Jordan Davis on the field. But if you're a defensive coordinator in this league, even if Fletcher Cox shows up and he's not playing well, and Javon Hargrave is showing up and he's playing terrible, how do you bench those guys in week one in the second quarter? Is that possible in 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 the modern NFL as a defensive coordinator? No, it's not, and it's not going to happen. And again, it goes back to if you had high expectations for this defense, part of those expectations were built into Hargrave and Fletcher Cox being pretty formidable players. Are they is Fletcher at the apex of his career? No, but if you were excited about this defense, anybody out there watching it's probably factored in that you thought Fletcher Cox was at least going to be a good player, maybe not a great player anymore. So, no, I don't see them moving forward just flat out saying, all right, you're out of the rotation. Now, you might slowly see those snaps get scaled back a little bit, but I, I find it interesting that last year, and you mentioned this yesterday, John, about Hargrave. You know, he was a sack master early. They kind of doubled him. They started to put the attention to him and Fletcher Cox still didn't really – he had an okay year last year, but he didn't, like, get 
you know, it was, well, he's getting doubled and triple teamed. Well, then they started to put the attention to Hargrave, and I didn't see Fletcher's um, production jump off the page all of a sudden. So you have to go in with the real understanding that those two guys might not be the same players they were even a year ago and how that changes things up. So to kind of circle back, John Gannon might have to make the tough decision of I need to start playing some of these younger guys more. Otherwise, he could he will be going down the road of the new Howie Roseman and getting everybody's ire. You don't want that. And he's not uh, – for me, it's a simple decision. If we're talking about Hargrave and Cox, you can skim them back a player through here. Marlon – well, wait, real quick, Jody and, and John. How about late in the game? It was like the fourth quarter, late in the game, and he had Marlon and and Milton Williams on the field together. Yeah. Like in a key situation, I'm thinking this is an interesting time to have those two guys on the field on a pretty important drive. I, hey, I they know, were playing better in that game. Well, you well, gotta right. give him credit. So I'm wondering if he noticed it, like in game. I might need these younger guys out there for these these key series. I thought that was pretty interesting. It was, but again, Marlon Tuipoloto, not Jordan Davis. You didn't use a uh, first-round pick, picking up Marlon. And I know that he looked good in preseason shoot. I was glad to see it. I was That, that was one of the residual benefits of the Eagles' less is more philosophy. Marlon got to play a lot. And he got to flash a lot. I, no, he's not Jordan Davis in any game where you uh, check the stats afterward and he's played more snaps than Jordan Davis. I'm sorry. I, I can't sign off on that. If I'm the defensive coordinator, uh, you talk this kid up a blue streak. You made the aggressive move to get him. Uh, he's got to be on the field. Uh, I know it's a guessing game. Every single play is a guessing game between one team's offensive coordinator and the other team's defensive coordinator. Well, Jonathan, you got out guessed. Yeah, and if he take he took a a couple verbal hits for it yesterday, he needs to take even more. And oh, by the way, there's got to be a change this week. Can't just acknowledge it. Oh, we may we may, may have uh, had the wrong part. No, no, no. Change it this week, Minnesota Vikings. I want to see more of their their uh, future defensive tackle than uh, Marlon. And I'm sorry, Marlon. I like you, but uh, <laughs> your, your resume is what it is. Uh, they got to get Davis on the field more this week. Yeah, and you wonder if the game is not 17 points, is he out there more? I mean, do they just strictly look at him? And you guys have probably seen the stat, 2.9 yards when he was on the field, 10 yeah. yards when he wasn't. Right. But, of course, you know, when he's on the field, they're rushing for third and two. So they're getting two yards. I mean, they're, they're, they're only trying to get a yard or two on a short yardage situation. So, you know, yeah, he did his job. But you're right, Jody. Did you draft a guy, target a guy that was literally going to come in to play short yardage and goal line situations? That you got to scratch your head out a little bit. So, yeah, this goes back to I opened the present and I didn't read the instructions. How do I figure out a way to get him on the field more? Like, hey, I like this part of the toy, but I got to figure out how to use it. I got to find ways to get him. Because if you're up 17 <clears> – <throat> You're probably putting guys you think can get to the pass that can rush the passer. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. don't think he's that guy right now. And they don't. And that was part of it. Yeah, I think that is. Real quick, uh, Zach McPherson, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So the Eagles get an award. Uh, we'll get to Zach a little bit later, but I do want to finish up on these defensive tackles. You, you I think this circles back. You know, part of it is I always talk about, I've talked about this with both of you one one 
you know, you asked me about the run pass ratio. I say, tell me what the score is in the, you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I'll tell you what the run pass ratio is. Same thing with snap counts. Again, Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon both admitted they expected, they expected Detroit to throw the football, become pass exclusively when they were down 17 points. Maybe they didn't react quickly enough to the fact that they weren't, but they had the pass rushes on the field. So that skews Jordan Davis's snap counts a little bit. If they're in a more traditional game with Minnesota on Monday night, I think it'll go up. But there is, you do have to keep a little bit an eye on the conditioning because he's not used to playing a lot. He didn't play a lot at Georgia. So I, I do think, Obviously, we talk about the Eagles. They don't do anything as a team in in the summer much, so you don't have great conditioning from that aspect. To expect this kid to go out and play 50, 60 snaps on week one, uh, nobody else did it that way. Johnny, I don't think anybody's saying 50 or 60. I think people are saying 30 or 31 rather than 22. So we're talking about eight more plays. But, okay, so we'll, we'll use that number, right? 30, 31. We'll use that number. If, if they don't have the pass rushes, if they don't have that mentality and it's a traditional game, he probably gets the 30-31. In other words, if they're playing the run more and not thinking they're coming, oh, they're down 17, that fixes the problem. Like, I, it, you know, this is Oxum's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. So people talk to me about the defense as a whole. Before you get the scheme, which again, half of the team, half of the league uses the same Vic Fangio scheme. They tackle, the scheme is fine. They didn't yeah. tackle. Simplest explanation. Well, right. That's same the thing. thing with Jordan Davis. If they make tackles, are we having any of this conversation and they win 30, what was it, 38 17? What's our reaction today? It's almost better that the game is 38 35, so we have something to bitch and complain about. Because if it's 38 17, Jody's right. They blow them out. And you guys are having a boring week getting ready uh, for a Monday night game with an extra day. But because the game was close and quite frankly, you know, I got to give the Lions work. I got to go back to that. You were there, John. I watched on TV and that place was loud for an entire quarter. They just didn't. And I don't think the Eagles were prepared for that level of energy. You play no preseason games. You haven't done anything since the year before. They had a very light summer. You walk into a place that's shaking. I think the Eagles looked like they were not ready for that. And I give them credit for not buckling, getting off the mat, and resettling them. They could have easily just been like, Crack, we were not ready for this, and let the Lions run away from them and have an embarrassing week one loss, like a lot of teams do in week one. The Denver Broncos, one of them, they went into Seattle. That place rocked all night long, and Denver never – got it back into that game. They just could not shake it. The Eagles not only got back into the game, they had a 17-point lead. Yeah, see, so, that's, that's why I'm, Mike, that's why I'm not buying it. They were up 31-14. to 14, And I'm sure, and John can uh, firsthand attribute this, when they went up 31-14, to 14, the place is not as loud as when the opening kickoff came down. True. The air is somewhat out of the balloon. You're up by 17 points. You have to get your right defense on the field. Maybe you misevaluate. You didn't believe they were going to continue to run the game. And you let the Lions walk back into the game. I, I, I can't put too much emphasis on 
Ooh, the house of horrors that was Ford Field. No, 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 no. You played bad, Eagles. Your defense wasn't prepared to hit. You weren't prepared to tackle. I didn't love your rotation on the defensive line. I'm not going to go, and it was so difficult because it was in the Lions' house, the Lions' den. Well, and that doesn't even matter. They were down 31 to 14. Well, and that doesn't even matter for the defense. When the defense is on the field, the crowd is trying to be a little bit more quiet for their particular offense, as Darius Slay pointed out. All I'm saying and all I've been saying is that the offense had a really, really difficult problem with it. This first thing A.J. Brown said when he came out and talked to us after the game, he said, we couldn't hear anything. We couldn't communicate. We couldn't do anything. First thing he said, Nick Sirianni brought it up. Uh, Jalen Hurts brought it up. Uh, they had two uh, 12 men on the field penalties, two delay of game penalties. The offense had a really difficult time with it. And, oh, by the way, they still scored 31 points. So, you know, all of that is, is a positive. But they were definitely not ready for it. I just brought it up because now people are saying, well, if you give up, if you give up 35 points to the Detroit Lions, you're going to get destroyed by Minnesota. Uh-uh-uh. This is a different environment. This is the home opener in Philadelphia. And Minnesota's the- offensive line is a problem for them. There, there's where like yeah. each week is different. It's like, okay, I gave up 35. Yeah, but this team's personnel is way different. The, Detroit struggles at the skill position, although the kid Swift is very good. Hawkinson's uh, he's shorthanded. He's not explosive. They don't really have a game-breaking receiver, and the quarterback's average. Minnesota's got a good quarterback. He's not great. I'm not like Kirk Cousins is like an all-pro here. than people think. But he has had a lot of success against Philly. They've got two really good receivers. The running back is dynamic, but their line is a problem, and we see it all the time with them. They're good. They're nine and eight because they beat the bad teams. And then they play, although last week they handled a team in Green Bay that people thought was going to be good. I wasn't one of them. I'm not a big two teams I don't like this year. Three, Tennessee, San Francisco, Green Bay. But my Minnesota took care of business in that game and looked pretty good in doing so. But I think, look, if we think the Eagles offensive line is defensive line is a strength, this is a week that they should win uh, up front. Well, the interior. The Vikings finally have good tackles. Not probably not quite as good as Detroit, but Kirsten Darrisaw is a first-round pick. He looks like a player already. Brian O'Neill's one of the Delaware guy, by the way. One of the Martin Frank. That's a shout out to Martin Frank. Um, he he's one of the best right tackles uh, in the NFL. Uh, so they do have tackles, but the interior really bad, and it's been bad for years. Uh, Garrett Bradbury's terrible. So this is where Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, they got to get, they got to get on track. And I mean, immediately Monday night, because this is a game where they should have a big advantage on the interior. And if you don't whip Minnesota up front, yeah, I mean, Cook's going to kill you. Jefferson's going to kill you. Cousins is going to kill you. Thielen's going to kill you. But I think people, you know, don't understand Playing in Detroit with that crowd is going to be different than playing in Philadelphia with your crowd. Sure. I mean, no question about it. Now, again, it goes back. And I think in the end, look, Detroit, they're Detroit. Our whole lives, all we know is Detroit is yeah. been and down people, rotten. Yeah. They won three out of their last six. Not great. But I think you're, we talked about it last week. I, I don't, you can see the culture is changing there. The first step, in becoming a 
a team that moves in the right direction is getting the culture changed. I thought we saw it with the Giants. I love that hire of Dayball. And look, are they going to win nine, ten games? No. But at least in a one-score game now, they feel like we can win this. We can. Now they got to learn how to do it. Where in the past, those teams just have no shot. They just they just didn't have talent. They, they have the wrong culture. I think the Lions at the end of the year, we're going to look back to this conversation and say, man, that team won seven, eight games. They're moving in the right direction. Is that great? No. But to get a road win in a very unpredictable week one, I think you got to feel pretty good about. All right. For you two Lion guys. Sorry. <laughs> not buying in. Lions hard offensive knock. line guy. Hard knocks or not. Uh, I didn't see they, any hard knocks, they, by the way. They, the Lions should get a win this week, right? Carson doesn't They're handle favored the pressure. Wentz coming to town. They are that could be way more time. than he can handle. The Lions the, should be one and one by the time we get to Sunday afternoon, right, guys? The Lions are favored for the first time since November of 2020. How about that? Yeah. You, you, Jody, back. You're a betting man. Come on, give me a six pack of picks. Put the Lions in there. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll take the Commanders right now. Now, Jody, come on. You have game. to admit that offensive line is pretty good. You the Lions' offensive line is very good. No, yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to downgrade their uh, their areas of strength, but that's about it. I'm though. on Ross St. Brown. I, I thought they were very. I like their play calling. I like their play design. I thought they did a really good. There was a play the Eagles ran, hated it, and I said the play design on this play, you know, terrible. They have a play on the goal line area. They pitch it to the to the weak side of the field. They got the running back as the lead blocker. I'm thinking, why wouldn't you have a guy pull out and let him be the lead blocker on that? Oh, if you're pitching out there inside the five yard line, you got to have somebody get out there. They got the running back lead blocking. And of course, that play got blown up. Meanwhile, Detroit. They had guys moving all over. I thought their play design and execution with their offensive line was very – who's that, Brian Johnson uh, yeah. that caused yeah. their plays? I thought he did a really ben good Johnson. job. Brian's the Eagles quarterback. Oh, Brian Johnson's the Eagles, yes. Um, I, I, Let's talk about the offense real quick before we lose you, Mike, because everybody's harping on the defense. The offense, look, they scored 31 points. Jalen was great uh, with the off-schedule stuff. Um, the one thing that's – stuck out to people was Devontae Smith not getting a touch um, targeted four times but they weren't able to get him the football um, I've been telling people this for a while and if they were listening to Shane Steichen which not a lot of people do I was surprised Shane gave this up uh, somebody asked him if it, is it your job to get everyone involved which I asked uh, Nick Sirianni the day before do you ever want quarterback uh, Jalen Hurts to be aware of the distribution? And Steichen's answer was, no, I don't need him to worry about that. Really, wherever the ball is going, it's first read, second read, and that's it. He goes through the progressions, and that's it. Yeah. So it's the coaching staff, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, that has to be the one to be disciplined and say, all right, A.J. Brown's progression one, Dallas Goddard's progression two, but this play, I got to go to, I got to get Devontae involved. Quez Watkins didn't touch the ball either. I got to get Quez involved. Zach Pascal got a touch. Nice little nifty play. Um, is it an issue that people don't understand what's going on with this offense and they expect Jalen Hurts to have these full field progressions and be Joe Montana well, in 1985 or whatever? No. Do you think in Minnesota 
Justin Jefferson had 11 targets. The next guy, Thielen, who's pretty darn good, had four. Yep. You think yep. they care that Justin Jefferson – look, if my best player is going to get 13 targets – and you're not going to change your coverage, I'll throw it to my best player the whole damn game. Why would I not throw the ball to Randy Moss if they're going to let me keep throwing it to him? Why would I not throw the ball to Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice? If you're going to let me throw it to that guy, I'll throw it to him 20 times. I don't understand. I get it. Devonta Smith was a first-round pick. We want him to do well. But guess what? If the game plan for that week, and look, there could be a week we're saying, why didn't Brown get any? Well, they covered Brown differently, and now Smith got 11 targets. Over 17 weeks, the ebbs and flows of your targets are going to go changing. Now, John, you mentioned on my show astutely yesterday, if teams keep covering Brown like this and you throw him the ball 13 times, and by the way, Devonta Smith had a ball thrown to him. He dropped it. It hit him yeah. right in the freaking six. Mm-hmm. But So if he catches that ball, who knows? That being said, is Devonta Smith going to be happy that his role is the four-target guy? That might be something you need to manage down the road. But if you're going to give me 13 targets to A.J. Brown after what I saw, I'll throw it to him 13 times every week. Yeah, that's that's one of those questions I look at week one, okay? Let's not overreact. Hey, listen, one Jefferson, week. Let, let's, let's see what this uh, the dispersal is. The, this upcoming week and the week after. Give me at least three games in before we start worrying about that too much. And the way Johnny described it, here's what would scare me. If they did overreact because you want to depict your plays and play calling by what the defense is doing. You don't want to go, oh, let me call a play because Devante is the number one option on this one. And he hasn't gotten a uh, pass going his way yet. No, no, no. You got to believe you know what the defense is going to do and send in the play that you think is going to work best against that, not what's going to best balance the touch scale on the yeah. uh, overall offense. Uh, you can't fall prey to something like that. You have to stay in the moment if you're the play caller. And, John, I would ask you because you were there, and I didn't get a chance to watch the all 22. I don't even know if it's out yet. First week, Rust, man. I don't know what day that comes out yet. But on those blitzes, because they set – guys and he took off 17 times and people are complaining about that did he have a hot read was there a guy that he could have just saw the blitz and said okay you're coming from there or were those runs out of necessity uh most of them are out of necessity he does you know when i say it's it's one read two read there's really three he's always got an outlet um you know but an outlet for Jalen Hurts is worse than Jalen Hurts running the ball, right. at least from the perspective of if he dumps it off to the running back, the running back might get five, six, seven yards. Um, he's getting, you know, big chunks. So I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts won that game for the Eagles. We yeah. always talk about quarterbacks, you know, did, did he can he win a game for you or is are you winning despite the quarterback well you just watched Eagles fans just watched the quarterback go win a game for them they might not like how he did it but he won the game for him and maybe you got to get over you know I always say this fans want blitzing on defense they want that they want high powered passing offense as does Jeffrey Lurie isn't it about getting a win? Get the win. Get yeah. the win. Hey, look, Buffalo won with no blitzes. Detroit sent the house and lost. Very All right, first. Mike, last one, last one for me. And, again, uh, this is what we do. We 
take a 38-35 win and uh, nitpick the the issues and the problems rather than emphasize what went right and the fact that it ended up as a W. But I was uh, screaming at my TV here in the house watching again. Ten penalties. And Derek Barnett didn't have one of them. Best of luck. <laughs> Rest of your career, Derek uh, B. Um, I like more that so because they're just not a focused enough team. They're not a disciplined enough team. The coaching staff didn't prep them under the organizational banner of less is more. We're not going to practice. We're not going to hit. I'm sorry. It didn't cost them the game. So I'm yeah. not getting overly worked, but it's a little bit of Noise, a red flag Jody. to me. Why Free 10 snap. penalties? How many, did they have the any, how, many, how many false starts did they have? I don't, I don't know, but I will say memory just going back they were one of the most penalized teams in history for a quarter yeah. of the season last year, were they not? And oh, they yeah. kind of got out of that. Um, could that be a byproduct again of no preseason? Well, here, not here, right off the bat, I got I got first quarter here. So, all right, they had two uh, uh, delay games. They had. Two I felt games. like I felt like there was a lot of getting out of the huddle and the play in late. Yes, I asked Shane about that yesterday. He said no, that wasn't it. Was an issue, but so. I know off the bat they had two 12-man penalties. They had two delay of game penalties. In the first quarter, they had two false starts. So that's six right there, Jody. So the noise was a big part of the penalties. Um, and they were, you know, uh, pre-snap stuff. And they, they got to correct that. But that, again, you're in Philadelphia this week. That should be corrected. Uh, that shouldn't be that much of an issue. So if you have a four-penalty game, that's not that bad. I, it, it, all, all six of those penalties were due to the. Then norm. John, are the Eagles screwed? Because I'm pretty damn sure of this they got to play eight road games this year. So <laughs> any game that they play on the road, we're going to just dismiss and excuse penalties for jumping off sides. I'm not. I'm, I, not it's getting not, the communications in in time. It's you not. Got to play games in the on the road in the NFL, John. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation. You do have yeah. to play games on the road. Like last year, the, the Eagles played a game on the road in Detroit. There were 40,000 people there. This is what I tried to impart to you, Jody. It was different. There, there was no issue. There, there was no silent counts last time they were in Detroit. Zero issue. If you go play the Los Angeles Rams, if you go play the Los Angeles Chargers on the road, you have zero issues as the road team. There are certain environments in yeah. the NFL – and they're playing, really, really and on the road this year, they're play. playing in a lot of those environments. They're in Houston, they're in Arizona, they're in Indianapolis, which I guess, you know, depending on how the, but I really, I was shocked at the level of energy in that building. Cause you, as you said, John, they hadn't sold out, I mean, since like 2017, I think it was. And they were relentless for, like, I couldn't believe the energy they kept. I was like, my God, these guys are. Are they not getting tired? Like normally it's loud when you first start a game. And then it kind of just, they were them in Seattle, Seattle the other night, it was Seattle's, like a college Seattle's basketball game. Places. Yeah. Seattle's one of those places. Kansas City. It was like a college basketball game when the guy who has the ball gets booed every time he touches it, then he passes it and they stop booing him. They pass it back to him and they start booing. Again. I couldn't yeah, believe yeah. the amount of times they kept booing Russell Wilson. I was like, they are, these guys are getting some credit for yeah. me, man. 12th man. That's why they call it the 12th man. Seattle's like one it. of those places. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
uh, obviously talent. I'm just saying it, it, if you ignore something so obvious, it doesn't do any good. So if you're worried about it this week and you're going to say, should there be delay of game penalties this week at home? No. Then no. you should rip the you-know-what out of them. Should there be 12 men in huddle penalties? No. Should there be false starts? No. If there are, I'll be here on Birds 365 ripping the hell out of the Eagles for doing it. Right, uh, so but the, it's understandable. The six, the six is coming down to what? One or two? Because the Eagles Yeah, it should come down to, understanding to yes. Crowd. It, could, it, could, it should come down way down. Uh, pre-snap penalties should come way yeah, down. Quite frankly, right. You shouldn't have multiple delay of the games. I mean, they had yeah. to call timeout twice in the first half before the uh, before like you know late in the second quarter because they weren't ready. Yeah, uh, they, they were getting out of the huddle incredibly late. Yeah, incredibly late. Seven, eight seconds left on the play clock. We were all were saying it. They're out of the huddle. Look at the. the and with a young quarterback, I think people forget Jalen Hurts is still a young quarterback. Yeah, they were they were late. That's that's a Nick by the way. By the way, guys, the Lions they got the kid Williams from Alabama. He didn't play either. Right. That might that might be their difference making weapon down the line. That team, if they get good quarterback play, we might again look back at this week and say, "Look, that team's different." I think the, they, that team. Well, you don't have to worry about good quarterback play. <laughs> no, no, quarterback play. not but, happening anytime soon. And can we potentially attribute? Late getting out of the huddle because it takes that much time for Howie to contemplate what he should tell Nick and Nick to contemplate what he should tell Shane. And that's a lot. The telephone game get a little long there. We got to try yeah. and speed that up a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe they'll all be quicker at home this week. He needs the AC Slater uh, big yeah. cell phone there and buzz it down to the yeah. field. No, I mean, I think that's definitely right, guys, that – that was a problem. Like I, you know, I'm sitting here going, "What's going on?" Like they're not getting out of the huddle. They kept snapping the ball with zeros, or they, guys were going in motion with two seconds on the play clock. You're like, "This just doesn't look crisp." It doesn't. They did not look crisp or right, probably until midway through the second quarter when they finally seemed like they settled into that game on the offensive side. And I was wondering about that. Did we bring this up yesterday, John? I thought we might have brought it up with one of our guests. Like, yeah, Jalen's waving a guy with two seconds to go yeah. on the clock. Yeah. And I'm going, no, 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 no. AJ Brown. Johnny Mack's getting what he wants. The Eagles are actually using a little deception. They're actually yep. using motion. Guys are moving, but they shouldn't be moving with two seconds left on the play clock. Two yeah. seconds on the play clock. AJ Brown's going in motion. You're thinking, what's going on here? Like, you know, um, no, they got to clean that up. But, you know, Again, I agree with John. If you're at home and you have those problems, now, Jody, your question would become a concern. Oh, yeah. Then you rip the you-know-what out of them if they have those Michelle same problems. will be back with us next Wednesday to do just that. We'll see if we're ripping or if we're, if we're tearing or if we're praising the Eagles uh, because of another win and off to a 2-0 start. MG, always a play. Oh, one quickie. West Virginia got a team they can beat this week? Ugly. I think they played Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah, Virginia Tech's not very good. That's right. I, All right. why, why, do I, why do I think they got like Towson this week? Oh, no, you're right. It's Towson. I think they got a layup game yeah, this no, week. You're right. Got to get Although that he, first. Towson and then Virginia Tech on a Thursday night. Yeah. All right. You get the so, layup and then you're ready for uh, hey, these, Virginia these Tech. These smaller uh, schools are no longer layups, man. The Georgia Southerns, the App States of the world, they're coming yeah. after you. Yeah, no. Uh, There's still layups for Alabama. They play. Right. And, and, no, by the way, that's just Nebraska sucks. That isn't it. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Georgia Southern uh, jumped into the foray. No, Nebraska's just terrible. Uh, Gil, always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for jumping on board. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, boys. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Gil, Gil from the Sports Pass 97.3. Down the shore, uh, jumps on with us weekly here on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back. We got Paul Dunwich going to join us about 20 minutes from now. So you want to stay with us here on Birds 365. <clears throat> Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pondley Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds.
I'm Jody McDonald. You got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Please like, share, and subscribe to the show. We got uh, over 300 viewers right now. Every single one. Of you, if every single one of you hit the like button right now, you'll make McMullen's hour, his day, his week. Uh, show some love to your boy, Johnny Mac. Uh, like, share, and subscribe to the show. All right. Uh, I'll tell you why like, share, and subscribe after the performance he had in week number one. And that's Miles Sanders. Um, he's one of those guys. It, I'm I'm going to continually harp on. I think the Eagles are overdoing it with their less than physical preparation for the season. Uh, there are certain things you can point to and say, hey, it worked. There are other things you can point to, and I have, and say, no, it doesn't work. But you can also break it down individually. And Miles Sanders just looked fresh. Week number one, and he didn't do a whole hell of a lot in preseason, uh, whether it's injured or over protection or bubble wrap or whatever else. Damn, Johnny Mac, he looked fresh. And uh, I was getting tweets, oh, you got to get Miles Sanders signed to a contract extension. I'm You don't got to uh, worry. Don't worry about that. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying it. And you look at the, the vacuum that's in. I don't think the Eagles are buying it either. Uh, they just don't put a ton of value on the running back position. But hey, while he's here, while they got him, while he's having games like he had on Sunday, enjoy the Eagle fans because – uh, John and I both agree they won the game because of Jalen Hurts and the plays that he made. You may get ticked off that he ran as many times as he did and had that big picture view of he's going to get hurt because he's putting himself at risk too often. And you may be right. I'd rather narrow focus on one game, one win, but everybody handles their business how they want. Miles Sanders was probably the second biggest reason they won that game. He was, he was damn good on Sunday, Johnny Mac. Yeah, that was the big, uh, you know, the Eagles got the ball back uh, with 351 left. So perfect example of four-minute offense. You want to run out the clock, right? Perfect uh, scenario. Uh, And the Eagles ran the football six consecutive times when everybody in the building knew they were going to run the football. So one, you know, there's this weird, I wouldn't say it's a, Big narrative, but some people said the offensive line didn't play well. Um, you know, Miles got bottled up uh, on a third and two, uh, right on the on on the first drive in the four minute offense, completely bottled up, and then he just bounced to the outside, and that was that big twenty four yard game. That that play essentially sealed the game. It really yeah. did. Now, you can talk about the fourth and one, the quarterback sneak, which, by the way, live looked awful close. I didn't even know if he got it live. but um, And I'd, I obviously sealed the game. But that 24-yard run, that was that was really, really spectacular stuff from Miles Sanders. Um, and, yeah, that four-minute offense, the coaches were beaming over that because that's exactly – what you know that's really difficult to do when everybody knows you're going to run and you run and i'm going to go back to jalen hurts on this that's part where people don't realize his presence on the field how much easier it makes for those backs so when you talk about the eagles don't value that position look every single one of them miles sanders who's really talented kenny gainwell boston scott trey sermon if he gets in there they're all better because Jalen Hurts is on the field because everybody on the defense is so concerned with Jalen Hurts keeping the football. It makes it easier for those running backs as well. 
Um, Gainwell got a couple more carries than I thought he was going to. He got five carries, uh, which I didn't know was going to happen before the game started, and he did catch a couple balls out of the backfield. Are we surprised uh, as, as, at how much they actually use Gainwell? I know the Eagles like the rotating backs, and they did it last year, uh, but Gainwell didn't show much in the preseason. Then again, neither did Miles, uh, but Miles was everybody's assumed number one back. Um, any surprise with the way they use Gainwell? No, I was more surprised how they used Scott. Uh, I just talked about that drive. Um, the yeah. next three plays were all Boston and Scott. The next three, they, they went three to Miles, and the next three were to Boston and Scott, and he got nine yards, and that set up Jalen Hurts' uh, uh, quarterback sneak. Um, Kenny was always going to be the third down back. He was always going to be the hurry-up back. He's, you know, in some ways the goal line back, which is weird that I've talked about. So he was always going to have a role, even though he didn't have a great summer. With Boston Scott, I thought if you go back to last year, the Eagles started the season. It was Miles and Kenny, and I thought they would keep it with Miles and Kenny. The fact that Boston Scott, he only ran it four times. He ran it three times to close out the game. Right. You know, that's weird. That's that's weird. But they have so much respect for Boston Scott and his ball security, and they know he's fundamentally sound. That says a lot, but it is a little bit weird that you don't play anybody, you don't give him the football, and then say, oh, yeah, you give, you him one, seal this you give it to him once down by the goal line, and he takes it in, which yeah. he usually does, yeah. and you've had him in both balls the rest of the time, and you're going to turn to him for the very last possession of the game. It was, as you say, a little bit weird. All right, running back on the other side. We've mentioned now a couple of times, John's giving you the pro football focus numbers. Eagles, the most missed tackles in week one in the National Football League, which made them the worst tackling team week one in the National Football League. And that was against DeAndre Swift, who's a good running back, Philly kid, want to root for him, all that stuff. He's not Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has been a better running back in his career. And specifically, if you watch Dalvin play, he is the kind of guy, if, if I told you before the season started, there's going to be a running back who is going to pile up 150 plus, and it's going to be because he breaks tackles, and it's going to be in the first two weeks against the Eagles. It would have been a no-brainer. It's got to be Dalvin Cook because a he's yeah. a better runner, and b he's a tougher runner. He's one of those very good combo backs who can both beat you with speed on the outside and run through a tackle between the tackles to get extra yards. Should be should we be scared of Dalvin Cook coming up this week, Johnny Mac? Well, you should always be scared of Dalvin Cook, but I, you know, I think um, the Eagles got a bit of a wake-up call. Let's put it this way: I'm taking the under on 9.6 yards per carry, even though Dalvin <laughs> Cook's a better player. So a lot of it, I think, is just you know, again, if you tackle well, uh, if you tackle better, you don't even have to tackle well. If you tackle uh, minimally better, uh, you're not going to have those issues. And then 35 points, I'm taking the under. Minnesota's a far more explosive team. That's I don't think people pay enough attention to situations. I really believe that, Jody. Minnesota's a better offense than Detroit. They have a much better quarterback. They have better receivers. They might have the best receiver in football. That's how good Jefferson is. Uh, Thielen might be the best second receiver in football when he's healthy. That's how good he is. Coke is top five running back. They have good tackles. They're a better football team than the Detroit Lions. However, because of what happened last week, 
it makes things more difficult for Minnesota. The Eagles are going to tighten things up. They're going to get all their P's and Q's. I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to say they're going to win the game, but I am going to say Dalvin Cook isn't going to average 9.6 yards per carry, and the Vikings aren't going to score 35 points. There's ebbs and flows to this. I would agree with that, too. Uh, and we, we got all the way till next Monday to make an official pick on the game. Um, but, yeah, as far as the Eagles' less than stellar defensive effort, I would predict, as of now, a better overall defensive effort. Points scored, yards allowed, all those things. Yeah, just because they will get uh, some work in. Hopefully, Jonathan Gannon gets in their shorts and gives them a hard time that they come out better prepped and ready to go. All right, one other thing I want to run by you before we punch Dom off. He's going to join us in a couple minutes. And this is something I just need your overall expertise with because I get it. On Sundays, you don't have the chance. You're watching the Eagles. You're going down to the locker room. You're jumping on the Jacob Media post-game show here. Um, and by the way, that was unbelievably tough at halftime because they have been open-air press box. And poor Devin Caney, I couldn't hear her. She couldn't hear me. It was unbelievable, Jody. Unbelievable. All right. Well, you're in your paycheck. Good for you. Um, I, I, I'm sitting in front of a TV. I got to do a national uh, uh, football show after uh, at six o'clock. So I need to be jumping around watching every single game um, after I, I zero in mostly on the Eagles in whatever window they're playing in. Um, I saw this a couple of times, John, and I can't watch every single day. I tape a couple of them. I go back and watch a couple of things afterwards. But I saw this a couple of times and it annoyed the snot out of me. Maybe, again, the old school tendencies that I have, the fact that they've changed the game of football to, again, give such an advantage to the offense. And I wasn't really uh, all that evidenced of um, pass interference everywhere, everywhere, everywhere over the first week. They actually, it wasn't as big a deal as it has become the last couple of years in the NFL. But here's one upside that the the offense has. And no one ever talks about it or this call is never made. I saw not one, not two, three blatant plays where a, I think two or three were running back. One was either wide receiver or tight end. It was a short completed pass. But the offensive player, extends his hand, stiff arms the defender to the face. He gets his hand right up in the defender's face and pushes him in his face mask and turns the ball upfield and continues to make yards. On offense, if an offensive lineman goes to the face of a defender, up here comes the flag, illegal hands to the face, illegal hands to the face. But on offense, you've got the ball. They're trying to tackle you. You are allowed to just put your hand up underneath the chin of the defender to ward him off when you're trying to make an offensive play. How is that not hands to the face? How is that not uh, a legal hands to the face? They do it all the time. Well, your first mistake, Jody, is expecting the NFL to do things logically. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense. You can't grab the face mask if you're a ball carrier. That's the only way they're going to call it. You can do whatever the hell you want. Right. Otherwise, but the same exact thing. And sorry to interrupt, John. A defensive lineman come in and on a play. If yeah, he gets his it. hand up underneath yeah. the defender's can't chin, can't do that. Oh, that's 15 yards. Illegal use of hands in the face. But a guy who's got the ball in his hands is allowed to literally punch a guy underneath the chin and lift his helmet up. And he gets away with that because he's an offensive yeah. player. 
it, it makes no sense. Uh, and it's the rule. It's always been the rule and it's not changing. But you're right. It makes absolutely no sense. But yeah, it, they're never going to call it because it's not illegal. Um, and the other aspects, the other for the other players, it is illegal. So yeah, there's no logic. It's the most over-legislated game in the world. It drives me insane. I talk about it all the time. And that's why I never complain about officials. You very rarely hear me complain about officials. Doesn't matter. You know, I there's nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. Control what you can control. Doesn't matter. Get a bad call, go on to the next play. Doesn't matter. You, you can complain about it. It drives what what drives me crazy, Jody, is the constant complaining on on Twitter, like Jalen, you know, uh, the the borderline late hits. Which, by the way, I gave Nick Sirianni tremendous credit. He didn't complain about him. Jalen Hurts didn't complain about him. Why are you complaining about him? I see so many fans get so many. It, you know, it's bang bang. It's borderline. They're not supposed to throw the flag unless you know the defender hasn't committed before the slide starts. Uh, Nick didn't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. And specifically on that one play, Jalen got into a slide a little bit late. Yeah, that's gonna happen. You got every once in a while I have a play to the, and there was one where I really didn't like the mark. Jalen went into a slide, and I think he thought he was gonna get further marked down he came up he was like right at the stick and he came up and they marked it two yards short because it's where the ball is yeah. not where his feet are yeah it's where the ball where is, the ball and is. Jalen yeah. came up and, and he, where the ball is when you immediately start to slide right that's that's where so they're usually right on that kind we're really close um yeah i mean it, it, you know and then we talk about we have I'm sure we'll get into it at Damo because I wanted to bring up the the 17 carries again the injuries, you know how many quarterbacks I I, I I'm going to try to find a study I'm sure it was done. Quarterbacks get hurt much more in the pocket than they do outside of the pocket much more. I'm not saying always I've seen Aaron Rodgers one of his big injuries was outside of the pocket when he uh, broke his collarbone the one time. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but there's more injuries with, but I don't get that narrative. I, and Jalen does a very good job of, of protecting himself. You know, he's very good. We mentioned maybe he's a little bit late with the slide uh, on occasion. Michael Vick couldn't even slide. Remember? I mean, he could, he, you know, he never played baseball or evidently uh, he does a very, very good job. Jalen hurts of protecting himself. And again, last year he got injured in the pocket, not outside of the pocket. Right, um, but this, John, if you can find a good serve, uh, study on it, uh, please feel free to share. It's got to be done correctly. It's like this used to annoy the snot out of me. More deaths in cars every day in America than in plane crash. Well, no kidding. Tens, hundreds of millions of people are in cars every single day. How many people are on planes in the U.S. every single day? Of course there's more death because there's just more activity. Same thing with in the pocket and out of the pocket. How many NFL plays actually end up, each offensive play that's run with the quarterback out of the pocket? 8%? No, well, of course. Of, of course you're not doing it as much. But, you know, if you're on the field as a quarterback in the NFL, you're, you, you can get hurt. So – that that's my mindset is I'm going to take advantage of what my particular quarterback does. Well, 
Maybe. I'm not going to limit him because he might get hurt because we all might get hurt. And I always go back to Zach Ertz. What is the injury rate in the NFL, Zach Ertz? If he were here, 100%. Everybody's getting hurt at some time. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac guys. Aaron Birds 365. Coming up next, Paul Domwich, 3013.com, jacobsports.com, all around bon vivant and savant when it comes to the National Football League. Damo joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Back guys, I'm Bird 365, joined by one of our favorites. I uh, covered the Eagles for years for the Inquirer Daily News. Uh, does it now for both 3013.com and us here at jacobsports.com. Paul Domowitz jumps aboard here on Birds 365. 
Damo, all things included, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, everything, scale of one to 10, 10 being, yeah, you can go ahead and print those Super Bowl tickets, one being, oh, spit, 16 more games before the season ends. What do you give the Eagles as far as the rating goes week one? Well, first of all, my wife wants to know what you meant by that Bon Vivant. <laughs> look, at the, look at that shirt. They, you, you gotta have you gotta have some moxie to wear a shirt like that, buddy. You gotta have a lot of self confidence. <laughs> uh, I'd give them a, uh, a six, I guess, uh, off a of Sunday. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 offense looked very good. Obviously, the defense needs some work, <laughs> but I don't think the work that it needs is because of a lack of talent. Uh, they just need to tackle better and 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 start. The gaps better. I mean, they just uh, they just looked out of sync. Well, that's where I was going with you, Damo. So you mentioned two of them. I was going to give you three, and by, by all means, you know, if you want to write in, vote as well. Uh, put these in order as far as the defensive issues: uh, personnel, scheme, tackling. I put tackling first. John, uh, I mean, you look at two of Swift's big runs, uh, you know, they, there were several missed tackles on both of them. Uh, scheme and uh, what was the third? I'm sorry. Personnel. Personnel. I, I'd go with scheme second uh, and uh, and personnel last because I just, you know, I mean, we've talked before. I mean, I, I believe they've upgraded this defense uh, as far as personnel. So I'm not going to sit here now and, and suggest that they don't have enough talent. I just don't think it, it was it, – they were in the right places on uh, a lot of times on Sunday. Uh, you know, you watch that defensive line on a lot of the run success that Detroit had. I mean, they were rushing upfield and guys were going past them. I mean, they were unblocked. Uh, you know, they, they, they punched the game in a sub package with two linebackers that didn't seem to be in the right place at the right time. I don't think C.J. Gardner-Johnson is far enough along in his understanding of the scheme – to know where he's supposed to be on certain plays, especially since he's playing such a, uh, you know, his responsibilities are different. I mean, he's not, you know, they're not used. I mean, he's so that, that I think that's, these are all things I think that will rectify themselves in, in time. I mean, the tackling is you looked around the league, John, and you know, you tweeted this yesterday. I mean, it was awful all around because of the yeah. limited off season programs and the, the fact that they don't tackle to the ground anymore in training camp, even. For, for the most part, has just, you know, impact, you know, every year you see this early on. Um, so I think a lot of these things will work themselves out. All right. Yes, let's go a little subsection there. If tackling was the busy, biggest problem, why was the tack, tackling biggest problem? Rank these two for me. Lack of preparation or undersized defense at a couple key tackling positions? Yeah, I think uh, lack of preparation – Jody, and again, I go back to you know the fact that they haven't been practicing tackling in in uh, either OTAs or uh, training camp. Uh, I'm not so concerned about size. You look around the league; everybody's gone to faster, smaller guys so that they can match up better in the passing game, which is ultimately what it's all about. I mean, I don't think many teams are going to run have the run success against the Eagles that uh, you saw Sunday. I think they'll work that out. Uh, first of all, they'll work that out by by you know, giving Jordan Davis more snaps. <laughs> uh, I mean, when he was in the game, I mean, you weren't moving him. I mean, granted, the yeah. teams can run away yeah. from him, but 
you know, I, I think the key for Gannon, and you saw a little bit of it Sunday, was moving those guys around so you don't always know where they are. I mean, there were occasions where he put Cox at defensive end. Not many, but, uh, I mean, he's got versatile defensive linemen that he could do that with, including Davis. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm going watch, you know, to watch this whole season waiting for the time when he finally puts him on the edge in a third and long situation and see what happens. You're going to be waiting a while, I think, Domo. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to, you know, Jody brought up this number, and I think it's a good number. I think it was 31, Jody. So uh, snaps for Jordan Davis. He ended up with 22. So how do you get to 31? I, I do think Nick Sirianni brought something up that resonated with me, and he said, Basically, when we were up 17, we thought they were going to throw the football. And most teams do. Most teams yeah. give up on the run. And the Lions, to their credit, didn't. Uh, they stayed very disciplined to the run. That's their strength, the offensive line. Swift was having a great game. I think the Eagles were caught a little bit by surprise, and they had their pass rushers out there, which is not Jordan Davis's role right now. So if they – if they adjusted a little bit more quickly and Davis was at 31 instead of 22, are we having all these discussions? Could it just be as simple as the Eagles misreading the, 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 the sort of crux of the game and thinking that the lines were going to go past heavy? Well, I mean, my problem, John, is I don't, you know, you mentioned that, that rushing the passer right now is not Jordan Davis's role. And I, I don't quite understand why. Uh, you know, I mean, the, one of the reasons they drafted him so, so high was because he's a freak. I mean, because he can, you know, he ran a 40 and four, seven, eight. Uh, I mean, in today's game, you want pressure up the middle, uh, in, uh, in passers, you know, get, get in the quarterback's face and, and don't let him step up why you wouldn't want him on passing downs. I don't know. Now, I guess right now the problem is he's a 350 pound man and the weather is, is pretty warm right now. Those they were playing indoors on Sunday, but you know what I mean? Um, so they got to kind of pick their poison with him. Do you want him out there on rundowns when, when nobody's going to be able to run up the middle or do you, you know, you can't have him out there all the time. I mean, you've got, you've got to limit his snaps as he goes along here until he gets in the kind of shape. Uh, where, where he could play as much as Fletcher Cox, if that ever comes that day, uh, because he's a big man. But, you know, I looked, uh, you know, I mean, Milton Williams doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, you could take snaps away from him. Uh, to a Paluto, uh, what did he play like? 28. 20 yeah. Marlon played okay, though. I uh, Marlon played, which surprised me, by the way. It surprised me he played so much. It yeah. surprised me that he played okay. I thought yeah. he was one of he was one of their best. Bletcher and Javon were the issues. Yeah. They did I mean, not play well. Yeah, and if and, that and, continues, that's a big problem. I know, and, and my concern with Fletcher is that it, it is going to continue. Uh, you know, I watched him again. I mean, he was single. He was single blocked to several several times on Sunday. I mean, this isn't a guy you have to double team anymore. Uh, and you know, he was you know he was being stopped. Uh, you know, I, I think his best days are behind him clearly, uh, but I expected maybe this year would be a year where he would want to prove to people that they're not and, and just have a, you know, just have a, a year that you don't expect from him. But judging from Sunday, that's not happening. And, and Hargrave, I don't, you know, that, that, that did, that surprised me even more than Cox. Cause I didn't see that coming. 
here's the question I would have about substitutions, and maybe this lends some credence to John's argument of how difficult it was because in Detroit it was very loud the other day and it may have caused some of their penalties. When they put guys in for start of series, are they always in for all three plays? If that's the case, do they not substitute within series that it takes too much time to get the guy in and out of the position? Uh, the one that sticks out like a sore thumb to me was Boston Scott on that last possession. He got the ball three straight times. He had got it once all game. They decide to go to him. All right, he makes the play a first down. You can't shuttle in your other back for the second day if your uh, evaluation of what would be the best play to work for the next one isn't including Boston Scott, or is that a hard and fast rule? Whoever starts the series, finishes the series, thou shalt not substitute in the middle of it. Is that the way the Eagles handled their business? And if so, will it change at home where you would think it would be a little bit easier because you're not playing against the crowd? Well, I mean, it, it, offensively, it shouldn't impact where you're playing or, or the noise of the crowd because, I mean, you dictate the pace. Uh, if you're going to a huddle, uh, you know, you can certainly substitute running backs. Um, they've, they've substituted running backs in the past in the middle of a series. If, if, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I mean, depending on, you know, down in distance, I mean, they'll put in gain well if it's third and long. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, that I'd be confused by why they might have, you know, stuck with not made changes that you would expect them to make there. Yeah, they just trust Boston at the end of the yeah. game. And it is weird that uh, they didn't give him the football except for the touchdown. And then he's on the basically the close out the game. It's a little right. bit strange. Um, there is, you know, you're always substituting in the back end. You're going nickel dime back and forth, whatever on defense. But with the defensive line, they generally stick with guys for a series. If you're in there for a series, you're going to be in there for a series. Um, that, you know, scheme-wise, I, I, I always say this, Damo. I, I, I got to count up the teams. And one of these times, and, and you know working for the 33rd team, all right, there's 32 teams. How many are running Vic Fangio's scheme? It's, it's over 10. We're in double digits. So it might be half the league, and I and I I'm gonna I'm gonna do this at some point. The Eagles run that scheme. The Vikings run that scheme. We're gonna see two teams that run the same scheme. Uh, other teams have success for it. So how could it be the scheme? How could that be the problem? Other than I think the bigger problem is everybody doing the same thing. I think that's a bigger criticism because then it becomes who does it best. Yeah. But if every if somebody else is using the exact same scheme and doing it brilliantly, like Vic Mangio, how could it be the scheme? You know, Vic spent most of training camp going from one camp to another. Yeah, where, exactly. <laughs> where they're using the scheme, it was, yeah. it was it was hilarious. I mean, he's busier now than he was when he was coaching the yeah. Broncos. Which also raises the question: Why the hell did the Broncos fire him? Uh, yeah, you know, especially all they, all they what they got. By the way, all they had to do yeah. a quarterback, and, uh, yeah. and but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, that certainly helps when. But then again, you you look on offense. Everybody went to the West Coast offense. Some teams ran it better than others. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it's just you know, it's more of its execution than anything else in my mind. Maybe. All right, Damo, I uh, want to jump around to a couple other things with you. Um, 
the Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys <laughs> have Cincinnati this week at the Giants, uh, the Commanders at home before the Rams. And according to Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott should be good to go for that Rams game. We don't need I. Who needs stinking IR? We don't need IR. Our quarterback's going to be back. I don't care whether it's the Dak or Cooper Rush. I'm going to take the Rams in that week. Could the Cowboys be one and four come limping into Philadelphia for game six at one and four and the Eagles having already put them in their rearview mirror by then? It's possible, Jody. I mean, I, you know, if, if, if Jerry Jones didn't own that team and was just a regular general manager who was counting on Cooper Rush being the backup quarterback, he'd be fired. I mean, it just it just yeah. astounds me. It yeah. just astounds me that 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 was their solution, especially with a quarterback like Dak, who suffered a major injury. Before. Yeah. Why would you do this? I mean, it just. I mean, you know, there's there are plenty of experienced backups you could have found. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they dug this hole and and they could end up burying them. Yeah, I don't know about plenty. Maybe Will Greer can take over. I mean, people are talking about the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles could take advantage and said Gardner Minshew. Why would the Eagles uh, want to help the Dallas Cowboys in any way and trade their top five backup quarterback uh, to help their division rival? Um, There's not a lot of great backup quarterbacks in this league. So I'll defend Jerry a little bit there. Damo, but you got to do better than Cooper Rush. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you do. I mean, just a guy that's been out there. That's that's yeah. got. Well, look at a the Nick Mullins of... type. Yeah, Jody's no, favorite. Not, not Nick Nick Mullins. Not, coming back. No, 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 no. Here's coming where back. I'll go, and I'm I'm sure both you guys saw this already. I like this better than the let's trade Gardner Minshew there. The Colts could trade Nick Foles to the cup. If you're going to trade for a backup quarterback, why not go get yourself one uh, that's won the Super Bowl? That yeah. makes more sense than Gardner Minshew or Nick Mullins. Yeah. Nick Foles would scare me a Jeff, little. Jeff Hostetler <laughs> might be uh, a better option than Cooper Rush at this stage. I, I don't think the Colts are doing that, but that, that held more water than some of these other suggestions, which Jerry's not going to do any, either one of them anyway. Yeah. But that would you actually scare me a little bit if Nick Foles went to Detroit and uh, went to Dallas and he came rolling back in here in week number six with a star in his helmet. You think, would you have been surprised to hear that uh, Jerry Jones might have made a call to Drew Brees? I mean, uh, I, I'm no. sure he explored that. He might as well get Drew, uh, uh, Drew and Peyton on a conference call. And exactly. Just do it all. <laughs> One fell swipe. Uh, Hell, you know, rip the Band-Aid off with Mike McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, bring them both in a package deal. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the Washington Commanders will go there because of Carson Wentz. All of a sudden, they look like the Eagles' top competition in the NFC East. Is that legitimate competition? I think people forget Carson was pretty good for the majority of the regular season last year before he kind of fell off. Uh, it certainly wasn't like his last year here, Damo. Um, I don't know if you saw much of that game or, um, you know, Carson was able to to come back in that game. Doug Peterson versus Carson Wentz. So that was a big one from an NFL perspective. But any any thoughts of Carson Wentz bouncing back? We're not, I don't think we're ever going to see the peak Carson Wentz, but is he a starting-level quarterback in this league? Oh, absolutely. I mean, looking at that game on Sunday, it was kind of a classic case of the, 
the good Carson Wentz prevailing over the bad Carson Wentz. I mean, he throws those two fourth quarter interceptions that, you know, uh, that, that, uh, ends up costing them 10 points, but then he wins the game at the end with two touchdown passes. You know, I, I've contended that that the real Carson Wentz is somewhere between what we saw in 2020, which, and, and the, what we saw in 2017 before he got hurt, uh, somewhere in the middle there. And that's not a bad place to be. I mean, he's certainly a starting level quarterback with the right ca- cast, with the right frame of mind, with a with an owner that's not going to uh, rip them for uh, uh, refusing to get the COVID vaccine. Uh, I, I think he, you can win with him. Uh, you know, whether their cast around him is strong enough to, to, to be a team that can go deep into the season contending for the division. I don't know yet, uh, but they have some weapons. They have a pretty decent defense. So, uh, you know, I mean, and, and Hey, don't forget about the giants too, John. I mean, the, yeah. they, Saquon. They went, they went out yeah. and beat uh, Tennessee, and uh, you know you've got Saquon looking like pre-ACL uh, Saquon. So, you know it's weird. I would say the Giants' win was actually more impressive than the Commanders' win this week. But oh, yeah, look at it, Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. As much as I'm not a fan of Carson these days, I still think he's better than Jan- Daniel Jones because I don't think Daniel Jones can play a little bit. But you're right, and to Saquon, if he stays healthy, he can actually keep you in. Any game. I need your opinion on this one, Damo, because it's kind of been harped on as a narrative. Eagles on offense doing something maybe a little bit too much, putting the player at risk for potential injury. Can they continue to throw it to A.J. Brown 13 times a game? Because, you know, he could get hurt. They keep right. throwing it to him 13 times a game. You're a good risking point, injury Jody. with A.J. Brown. Good point. Good point. I think you'll see them. And I mean, I... Everybody was uh, that the, when I listening to people on Sunday. It was you know what's wrong. You know Devonte Smith zero catches. You know time to panic more so than than how many catches AJ had. Uh, you know Devonte Smith was targeted four times, but he also was targeted twice on penalties uh, that, that were negated. Um, so I mean I think they're gonna you're gonna see a little bit more uh, spread spreading the ball around. But AJ Brown is gonna you know I mean they have chemistry. I mean he has chemistry with Smith. He has chemistry with with Goddard but you know it's going to be interesting to see how defenses defend these guys going forward I mean you can take you can take a receiver out of the game I mean you can it's very simple uh but it it opens up things for the other players so but you know what you saw on Sunday was they're they're running they're running those RPOs a lot uh, up to AJ a lot you know a lot of those quick uh slants over the middle and and he's in you know he's (laughs) He's unstoppable with them. So, you know, that's why I'm interested. And it opened things in the middle for uh, Miles Sanders. So that's why this offense is so dangerous right now, because of the weapons, uh, you know, because of of what they can do to a defense. Yeah, and A.J. opened up the middle of the field. Those uh, Jalen Hurts passing charts last year, sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts, I always say, big (laughs) hole in the middle. No more with A.J. Brown. Uh, throwing the football over the middle, that big body. Um, yeah, he was better than advertised. I mean, A.J. Brown was spectacular. It is interesting because I don't, you know, I don't hear anybody in Minnesota complaining when Jefferson gets the ball. If they're not covering you, why wouldn't you throw it to the guy? Um, but, but, you know, Jody was getting to that interesting point. Okay, you're touching it. 13 times with A.J. Brown, whatever Jefferson was 
I don't know, 12 or 13 as well. Jalen Hurts runs at 17. Oh, he can't do that. He can't do it. He can't do it. He's going to hurt. He's going to get hurt. The power lifter, the powerful guy. He's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's all of a sudden a, 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 a boss. You have to protect at all costs. Um, that's what he does. Well, I, yeah. I give Nick Sirianni credit RPO this thing to death. That's what he is. He's not Justin Herbert. Why can't we turn the page on that? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question, John, because I mean, you're right. That's who he is. And you can't, you take that away. You get, you, you know, you've got a very average quarterback. Um, you know, I mean, he's got a long way to go before he's a Justin Herbert passer and probably will never be that. Uh, when you throw as, and you, and you can say the same thing about Lamar Jackson. I mean, I love the people that say they should, you know, give Lamar Jackson Deshaun Watson money. Well, he's, you know, Lamar cannot, if you took away the running from him, he wouldn't, he's not the same quarterback and the same thing with Jalen right now. It's such a, but it's such a, a unique part of his game, a unique part of their offense. I mean, you saw that Sunday with, you know, I mean, it's, it's frustrating at times when you see, you know, you'd watch and he, he clearly started to scramble at times before he needed to, uh, yeah. other quarterbacks might've stayed in the pocket longer and listening to, to, to uh, Nick on Monday, they seem to have accepted that, that he's not going to be a guy that's going to go through every progression. He needs to go through more than one, but when he's, you know, if it's as soon as he, his spidey senses start to tingle, he's going to take off and they're, they're okay with that. I mean, he's a fullback, you know, this isn't a guy who's, who, unless he, I mean, certainly he can get hurt. Uh, you, you could suffer an ACL without anybody making contact with you. as Eric you know, Barnett. Yeah. yeah so, but they're willing to take that chance, and I don't disagree with it because it's such an important part of his game. All right, Damo, this is what we do for a living. You and I have been doing it for decades, John, as well. Um, so it's our ballywick. Um, maybe not everybody pays attention, but I need your take on how much attention do the Eagles t- uh, take? Uh, everybody puts out their power rankings every single week. Major media outlets on TV. Paul Domwich, everybody's got them out there. Eagles moved up off a 35-point defensive effort. Yeah, they look good on offense, put up 38. But a couple teams that were ahead of them had disappointing losses, didn't play all that well. Shoot, CBS has got them the fourth team in the NFL already. Pro Football Talk, which is Sims, who doesn't like our quarterback a little bit, has got him fifth in the NFL right now. And he <laughs> feared that the start to smell themselves a little bit and read the press clippings and get a little big on themselves after uh, getting out one and out. That's a good question, Jody, because this has always been a team, especially when Doug was here, that seemed to thrive on on being ignored you know, being the, you know, being the guy that nobody yeah, thought tough, tough to be the underdog when you're fourth, the fourth uh, ranked fourth power ranked okay. team after one week in a season. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, I, I think they went in knowing that people were going to consider them better than in the past. So I think they are dealing with that, but they got a lot of young guys. Uh, you know, a lot of them fortunately are from winning programs. So maybe it won't affect guys like that. Um, you know, I, I think they'll be fine with it. And I think it's deserving right now. I mean, you look at the NFC. I mean, the AFC has got, you know, eight teams you could, you could not discount maybe more than that, that you could, you know, if they end up in the Super Bowl, you'd say, well, yeah, I saw that coming, but the, 
you know, the NFC uh, aside, you know, I mean, you got the Bucks, maybe. I mean, they've got their flaws. I mean, they've got an interior line that leaves Tom Brady very susceptible. You know, the Rams we saw against the Bills are not what they were last year. Uh, so after that, who, who? I mean, it's certain the Eagles could be the right now the second or third best team in the uh, in the NFC uh, at least. Yeah, it's open. It's certainly open to make a run. Uh, at P Damo, uh, Paul Domowitz, the thirty third uh, team dot com, uh, JacobSports dot com is great stat package every Friday uh, for us. So that's phenomenal. That continues this year. Um, Damo, I want to finish up with uh, something I asked uh, Jonathan Gannon yesterday, and it was about the defensive line rotation. And Jody picked up on this, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, He talked about it, and I asked him, you know, is that game plan, the rotation, how much room is there for change during the game? And he brought up, and he's done this a couple times before, as has Nick and Shane, um, when they're putting together the game, kind of looking like this, and we do that with the head coach and with Howie Roseman. Does that, number one, you've been around this league for a long time. Does that surprise you? Um, And how prevalent is that throughout the rest of the National Football League? It doesn't surprise me. It worries me, John. (laughs) I mean – He's done a heck of a job putting this team together, but then he should get out of the way and let yeah, his coach. I agree. We've seen, we saw what happened when there was too much interference when Doug was here. So uh, that, that does concern me a little bit. Uh, it's not prevalent around the rest of the league. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I hate to use a TV show, but you watched Hard Knocks. You very, very seldom saw the GM on anywhere in, in, in sight. I think, you know, Cut down day. That was the only yeah. time you saw the general manager in the office deciding yeah. who they were keeping, who they were cutting. Yeah. yeah. So, so that would surprise me if he's, if he's having input into playing time, other than the fact that, you know, uh, he wants to know how much they're going to use Jordan Davis. I don't know. I, that, that, that does surprise me. And it, it, it concerns me. If looking over the shoulder actually gets that snap count up this week. Good job, Howie. Keep it up. <laughs> other than that, you can go back to your office. Yeah. Now. <laughs> How do you explain to Kobe Dean, though, uh, then? Yeah. Well, yeah. he'll get there. He'll get yeah. there. At least, Dean, I understood. Uh, and, and this is going to make me sound like a Marlon Tuilopo hater. He gets more. At least Kobe Dean is sitting behind Edwards and Kaiser White. I'm okay with that. I'd like to see a little bit more and maybe yearns a little bit more. But Marlon's playing ahead of the guy that you moved up in the first round to pick. Really? That's John, where you, I get my rub. Thomas, John, you were, you were at training camp more than I was. Uh, and I mean, the Dean thing surprises me because TJ Edwards is not an every down linebacker. He was out there for every snap on Sunday. Yeah. Cannot cover. I mean, that's not his strength. He's a first and second down linebacker. Nicobe Dean can cover. Is he not? Do you think he's not far enough along with the knowledge of the scheme where he can think without? Yeah, I think that's part. Uh, TJ had a really good summer. I think they bought into the fact, and so did I. I've called him the most underrated player on this team. Um, he's gotten faster. He ran, you know, he ran terrible before yeah. coming out of college. He was a great college player. He was second for the Butkus Award. I think people forget yeah. that. But he ran a four, I think a four eight seven. It was absurdly bad. Yeah. Um, 
he's faster than that. He's improved. He's never going to be, you know, Devin White or anybody like that. He's never going to run a 4-4, but he's very instinctive. And I always go back to, I got to cover Jack Del Rio early in my career. He couldn't run a lick. He was a great nickel linebacker. He was so instinctive. He was great when he was making the Pro Bowl in Minnesota. I think they see a lot of that with TJ. His instincts make up for the lack of speed. And we're going to see if he continues to struggle. Uh, but right now, he's the three. He's the green dot. He's staying on the field. He earned it in the summer, but you got to prove it. You got to prove and it. And I don't remember any plays, Domo, from the weekend that you go, oh, shoot, he got caught in coverage. He got isolated. He got beat. No, that wasn't why the Vikings, uh, excuse me, the Lions racked up all those points and all those yards. It was tackling uh, and the defensive line getting manhandled too much. And uh, the other, the corners didn't have a great game either. Uh, Bradbury got the one big interception, but Slay got burnt a couple times. Actually, you don't put as much it on the linebackers. I, uh, I would say back end, front end, more than the middle as to why they had such a lousy game. Dama, we're out of time. Unfortunately, we got to run. We could talk to you for another hour. But thanks for jumping on for the 25 minutes you did. And if your life, your wife doesn't like me calling you bum, I guess I need to apologize. I just like the shirt you had on, buddy. What can I tell McMillan and I go t-shirt every single day. We don't, we don't go button down too often. So when I see it, I give it. I got a button down. I got it. Do you? Yeah. It's just you dark. Got it buttoned all the way up? Yeah, buttoned all the way up. Okay. Yeah. Unbuttoned up. Paul Domwich here with us on Birds 365. Thanks, Domo. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. We Thanks, will Tom. come back and put a bow on the show down the home stretch with the Macamac guys on Birds 365. <laughs> Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross.
Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. of going here on birds 365 john mcmullen are you going to the novacare complex today is this one of the days you get to go in for eight minutes of practice uh no everything's pushed back a day so tomorrow is sort of a normal wednesday is usually the biggest day of the week today this week it's thursday so everything's pushed back a day uh because of monday night football which just uh general scheme thinking you and I debated back and forth, uh, and you stuck by, I give you credit for sticking by it, Detroit, bad matchup, first week. You know, they ended up clinging to a three-point win, so there's something to be said for that. It, with the way that they played, they if they had been playing a better team, they actually could have been on the short end of the score. So I'll stand by my good thing they were playing Detroit week one. Monday night game this early in the season. Opponent is who the opponent is. Vikings, very good offensive team. See about their defense. Our uh, buddy uh, Jordan Hicks had 14 tackles last week. Something like that. He's coming back to Philadelphia. He knows this crowd a little bit. Good or a bad thing? Vikings Monday night early in the season. Uh, I think it's a good thing. It's uh, for kind of the exact opposite reasons. I think Minnesota is a good team, but you're getting them at home. Uh, Kirk Cousins has historically struggled in uh, 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 Monday night games, uh, night games, those type of high profile windows. So maybe it's better than getting them on a Sunday one o'clock game. Um, Yeah. And home opener as well. I think that's a big thing. Situations. I talk about situations all the time. They're meaningful in this league. So Minnesota has a better as I said, better team than Detroit, better playmakers. But Dalvin Cook's not going to average 9.6. They're not going to get 35 points. I think it's a good good spot for the Eagles, but we'll talk about uh, you know predictions later. We will. On uh, both uh, tomorrow and Friday, you get your Mac and Mac guys both back here uh, over the next two days. And then, yeah, on Monday as well because we got a Monday night game. So he's still got plenty of, plenty of prep time for the Vikings coming up this weekend, including tomorrow which means we'll be back here in the morning. You in, JM? Let's do it. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. (laughs) 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.